Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. is Dorothy Can Hamilton of the International Culinary Center, and today I'm here on Chef Story with uh, Anita Lowe, probably one of the most uh, talented and foremost uh, women chefs in in the country, if not the world. Uh, many of you might know her. She was on Top Chef Masters the first season, and she got right there to the the you know basic. Uh, I think you got up to number four out of 24 competing chefs. I know a lot of people were rooting for you there. And on Iron Chef America, she won against Mario Pitale in the Battle of Mushrooms. Uh, And if you're in New York City, I'm sure you know her um, Michelin-starred restaurant Anissa. And uh, some of you who maybe have been around for a while realize that she was named Food & Wine's uh, Best New Chef in America, one of the 10, in 2001. And there are many other accolades, but let's get right to talking to Anita. Welcome, Anita. Anita Lowe. Thank you. Well, it's so nice to have you here. I don't think, you know, we've had a chance to really catch up in a long time. Thanks for having me. Well, and, you know, I just, you know, I was uh, talking to you a little bit before, and there are, um, you know, there are some people that are born in New York, but there are some born New Yorkers (laughs) 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 who aren't born in New York, (laughs) but you would swear that they were, and because they're such a cosmic... Politan, um, educated, and you, you have a really fascinating background. So tell me, where, where actually did you grow up? Because to me, you're sort of the ultimate New Yorker, New oh, York chef. I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> oh, it is, it is. I'm a born New Yorker, so of course it is. Um, uh, but uh, did, you, did you grow up in New York? Or no, where? I grew up in uh, Birmingham, Michigan, which is a suburb of Detroit. Wow. Yeah. So, and and wh- how did you, where did, well, when, what were your food memories from Michigan? Hmm. You know, I grew up with so many different cultures, you know, my both of my parents worked. Um, so I was raised by various uh, nannies mostly, um, one of which was Hungarian, you know, one of my favorite dishes growing up with chicken paprikash. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, my, my stepfather... Um, my stepfather's family was German, um, and he was, you know, he was white from Denver or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, he was he was well traveled. So um, we traveled a lot. We we had lots of different kinds of food. But your mother was Chinese. My mother was Chinese, um, but Chinese from Malaysia, which is the crossroads of Asia. Oh yeah, yeah. Malaysian and, uh, cuisine is delicious. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And actually, you know, there's four different you know categories of cuisine in. In Malaysia, so you know you've got the Indian influence, you've got the Malay influence, you've got the Chinese influence. It's uh, so. Did your mother cook at home? Yes, she was a great cook. And t- tell me a Malaysian childhood dish you had. 
Oh gosh, uh, my favorite, one of my favorite dishes was laksa, which is hard to make. We didn't have that very often at home. But, why, why was it hard to make? What is it? it well, it's actually not that hard to make. It's just um, it just has a lot of ingredients. It's got um, you know it's got the fish the the fermented uh, shrimp paste, which mm-hmm. is um, you know it's very stinky. You gotta you gotta roast that. You got it's got lemongrass. It's got you know ginger. It, it's got a lot a lot. It's a very complex broth, and mm-hmm. it's a noodle soup. And mm. uh, wow, <laughs> yeah. So did you love food? From the time you were very, very young. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, I was obsessed with it. I, you know, I remember being able to pick your, your first tomato or being able to pick lychees from the, from, the, from the tree. It's just really incredible. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I didn't mention your book, Cooking Without Borders, but if there was ever a multicultural chef who is, you know, now I understand why you're so comfortable using all these different ingredients from different cultures and making yeah. your own signature cuisine. Well, that's but, my identity on some level, you know. All right, so thing. how long did you live in Birmingham, Michigan, and how did you, where did you go after that? I was in Michigan until I was 15, mm-hmm. and um, then I came east to go to, to, go to boarding school mm-hmm. in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and... Um, after that, I was uh, I came to New York to go to to, to go to college. Yeah. So, uh, and you were a French major. I was college? a French major. Yes. Yeah. Why Why did you choose French, and how did that <sighs> come about? <laughs> oh, you know, I loved. You know, I I was always interested in culture, mm-hmm. and um, um, I wanted so badly to be bilingual, and it was I was making a choice between math and French. You know, those were the two. Things. Oh, so you have right side and left side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, those were the things that I was I was good at yeah. at the time, and yeah, I guess in in order to be a math major, it was, was going to be really difficult. It was like a lot, a lot of. Well, credits. you were at Columbia University, yes. so this yes. wasn't an easy school either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I chose French, and you know, I was always interested in literature, and um, so you know, and then you studied abroad too. Right? Yes. So, so tell me about your first time going to France, and was it about the food, or was it about the culture, or was it about both? Or, um, yeah, I guess my you know my family we we, we were food tourists. We you know we traveled a lot, and we often went places, and always wanted to get what was best in that country um, as far as the food was concerned. So yes, I think I went to France, you know, for the food on some level. I went there the first time when I was. I want to say 15, something like that. I went there um, on an exchange program uh, during uh, sum- a summer of, during high school. And um, I lived in uh, Normandy for a little bit. Hmm. And um, we traveled. With a family? Or? Yeah, with a family, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, and that was, that was just, that was wonderful. I mean, just. So the- do you have siblings? Yes, I have two older siblings. Oh, so, so you'd go with your parents and your siblings and go to different countries and try different. Oh, absolutely! Things. Yeah, we, you know, I've, you know, my parents took us to like Iran when. Iran. <laughs> yeah. Why, go to, how like, old were you when you went to Iran? I, I was seven. Yeah. Really? I mean, they pulled me out of school to go. You know, they pulled me out of school early to do this huge, you know, several month long trip, and we went to Iran. We went to China. We went to. Japan. Um, what, what's so. your memories of Iran? Oh wow! Um, gosh, I remember. Um, 
I remember a lot. I remember the the yogurt there. The yogurt was just, you know, came in these like thick bottles and it was really, really sour. Um, I remember we were being driven around and, you know, like people, they weren't really, tourists didn't go there. We were being driven, driven around in a black limousine by someone from the government, I believe. And uh, they took us to this watering hole once and all these women and their kids were washing clothes and the kids were, were playing and... Um, one of them asked me for some money, and I, I didn't have any. And um, I just remember him, like, you know, giving me the fingers I, <laughs> as, as, as we left. But, yeah. Well, at seven years old, those are very um, poignant memories. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to, to say the least. So where did, where did the cooking, I want to be a chef, come in? Or I want to be a yeah. cook? I don't know. Was it cook, chef? How did, it, how did the great epiphany happen? I think it was uh, being a cook. You know, I, I always liked to work with my hands. I always loved, you know, crafts and stuff when I was a kid um, in camp and stuff like that. Um, but I was, yeah, I was studying French. And, uh, you know, French culture is so much about food. Mm. And I went over there to do um, a language, the language program. Uh, Columbia had Reed Hall over there, which is... Was it in Paris? Yeah, in Paris. Um yeah, really beautiful old building there. And so, I, yeah, I did the language program, and I wanted to go back. And, um, you know, I wanted to spend more time in, in, in Paris. I loved Paris. And uh, I was learning how to cook for myself, and I just was so obsessed with it. Um, Over there? Oh, yeah, both places. I mean, yeah. in New York as well, you know, mm-hmm. at, you know, at, in college, so you, you, you had to start cooking for yourself. And um, um so I went to, my sister had taken a um, cooking class at La Varenne over there. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to go back and go to cooking school. And that's, you know, I, I caught the bug there and uh, it was all over. <laughs> uh, and so yeah. from there, you know, your life uh, was, path was set. It, was, so, it chose me, yes. It chose you. So, uh, so how long did you spend in France uh, during that cooking period? And then you came back to New York or yes. where did you come back? Yeah. Yes, I, I think I lived in France um, all in all about two years, but I spent several summers there, and then I spent an entire year there when I went and got my, uh, I got my, um, my diploma from, um, my cooking diploma, mm-hmm. uh, from the Ritz Escoffier in uh-huh. Paris. So, you know, today's Julia Child's birthday, and she studied in Paris, and she got, you know, she wasn't a big foodie, actually, uh, until she went to Paris, and it was her husband who was the yes. foodie, and she was, uh, State Department wife, and she thought, well, I'm in Paris, I might as well learn how to cook, and he encouraged her. So you sort of have the same seminal moment as Julia. How appropriate. <laughs> uh, let me just take a little side trip here. Did you ever meet Julia? Yes, I did. Um, I had the honor of cooking for her when I was the um, chef at, at the Bistro de Maxime's um, on the Upper East Side. It was Maxime's on, on the Upper East Side, and uh, she came in for lunch, and you know, I was young and I wanted to do a tasting menu for her. I had everything like picked out. I had, you know, gotten all the best ingredients and we we're so ready. And then um, she sat down. She's like, "Oh, I think I'll have the chicken." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah. Well, but I guess it was a great. Did you take a picture with her? 
I did not. I oh. did not. Um, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And people don't uh-huh. usually carry around a yes, camera. Yeah. You know, they were big back then. Yeah. Okay. Well, getting back to getting back. So after uh, after Paris, you came back to New York. What was the first job you landed? And was it easy to find a job? And what year was it? Um, well, I had already when I well, this is I went back and forth from Paris. So I guess the. Uh, the first time, well, the first time I had to, the first time I came back after cooking class or cooking school, I, I had to go. I did my senior year at uh, Columbia and finished, and then I went to Boulay. I, I got my first uh, sh- uh, cooking job. That's at amazing. Yeah. To get into Boulay with no professional, you'd never worked in a restaurant before, or did you work? No, in, in I France? hadn't. I hadn't. But well, I, I, I was making canapes. I was the canapé station. Which yeah, but is. that doesn't matter. You got your foot into, you know, he was what, f- what four-star New he York wasn't, Times? He wasn't four-star yet. He was um, he was two-star at that time. Oh, two-star. Yeah, okay, so this is the old boulet down old on, on, on Dwayne Street yeah. with the apples when you came in. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. the best part, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It was a smell. He kept crates of apples in the foyer, and he was the first you know, restaurateur to do this. And when you walked, opened the door of the restaurant, you just got overwhelmed by the, the smell of great apples. Did they ever use those apples in a in cooking? Because I mean, I, th- well, I don't know that we use specifically those. I can't um, because I I was thinking, what a waste! To yeah, there was rot the, out there. There was no waste at Boulay. There really no. was no waste at Boulay, which is I th- I think is really beautiful. Yeah, um, and you know, Boulay taught me about ingredients. He was. You know, he was farm to table before anybody was. Mm. You know, so, so, uh, so what were the things that surprised? You know, here you are out of cooking school in Paris. You know, and you know the French are crazy about the ingredients yes. too. So you come to New York, and David is an American, even though he has a French name, and his grandmother was from France, right. and he's, uh, he's he adores the French, and he's in that style. What did you learn at Boulay that opened your eyes even further? I think, you know, David's passion is, is it, you know, he, he he's he's really crazy about the, these things, and it and it and it's really inspiring. Um, what did I learn? Um, yeah, I learned how to how to how to pick the best ingredients, and and you know, how to make it simple, and let the ingredients shine. Hmm. He do, he does do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you do that too. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So, how long were you at Boulay? I was there for a little a little less than a year, and uh-huh. then and then I went back to go to cooking school and get a degree. Oh, so I had okay. I didn't have a degree at that time. I had to four. Oh, weeks so you of, went to Ritz Escoffier after? Yes, after Boulay, after. and then after Ritz Escoffier, I came back to work at Chanterelle. Uh huh. And with yeah. David Walter. With David Walter yeah, and Karen. So, what was that like? That was amazing. Um, you know, uh, David and Karen are are my restaurant parents on some level. Um, yeah, uh, my my business partner, who is no longer my business partner, Jen, um, trained with Karen in the front of the house to learn the front of the house. And uh, yeah, they're they're wonderful people. I had dinner with them uh, last month. Uh, now, was this when they were on Grand Street or had moved? No, they had just moved to uh, uh, Tribeca. Tribeca. So yeah. that was. So, uh, what would you say you learned from David? David, I learned about flavor. You know? Now, how could you learn about ingredients without flavor? It, with um, I mean, how, you do, how you is do. it different? No, you do. I just, I'm just, well, that was the focus, I think. Um, the f- yeah, you certainly learn about flavor with boule. Um, 
but the flavor of the ingredient it was David different in the flavor of putting flavors together or yeah it was a little yeah it was it was definitely um different style um david's david Waltuck's food is 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 heartier um I don't know. Yeah. Um, more his- so and so, do you think that hardiness or the boule minimalism? What which which uh, really did you capture in your cuisine? Huh. Or both. It, it's it, it's interesting. I think I'm probably more of a minimalist um, when it comes to raw ingredients. Like if mm-hmm. I'm doing a first course of crudo or mm-hmm. sashimi like things, I'm probably much more of a min- minimalist. On the, um, which is interesting because that's where, you know, I I worked in appetizers at Boulay, and then when when you get to the um, entrees, I'm probably more David Walter. More David Walter. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to take a break here. We're talking to Anita Lowe of Anissa Restaurant in New York City, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Washed rind cheeses are a fairly recent addition to the repertoires of artisanal cheesemakers in the United States. These cheeses tend to be stinkier than other types and are often high on the list of connoisseurs. Now, Whole Foods Market has come up with one of their own. The raw cow's milk cheese made by Sprout Creek Farm in Poughkeepsie, New York, is washed with six-point ale from Red Hook, Brooklyn. The beige sticky rind deepens in color as it ages. The satiny ivory cheese within is mellow with a sweetly tangy bite and a grassy aroma. The current version features six-point diesel, which is in limited supply, so stop by and pick up some before it's gone. And point-of-origin cheese is sold exclusively at Whole Foods Market in New York, northern New Jersey, and Connecticut. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Well, welcome back. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton, and you're listening to Chef's Story. And today, I have the privilege of talking to Anita Lowe, the executive chef and owner of Anissa Restaurant in New York City. So, Anita, we're gonna. We've just heard about your background of how you you started to be a chef, and uh, you. You've you worked in a few restaurants before you opened Denisa, but you opened Denisa back in two thousand and one. Uh, two thousand. Two thousand. You were probably one of the first women chefs to open your own restaurant in New York. What does it take? I know a lot of people are out there, great chefs, maybe you know, great cooks, maybe they're professional or not, and they want to open their own restaurant. What is it really like? What does it take to open your own restaurant? <laughs> Well, it takes some money, which is important, um, but it takes a lot of uh, passion and tenacity. Um, you know, I've always called cooking a lifestyle choice of the obsessive compulsive. You know, so it's you know, it's it's a compulsion. It's something that you have to do. Yeah, but you know, 
let's take the cooking and put it aside yeah. because that's the I, I it's not it's the fun part you know you right. get to express yourself you know it's hard and you you have to have a lot of uh, skills to do that but let's what are the other skills what were the trials that you had to do to get that door open um you know you have to be business savvy uh, you have to be able to um, did you have business background no not at all not at all uh, so you weren't business savvy no, no, <laughs> so so how no. did you how did you overcome that well, I think a lot of it is um, common sense on some level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you have to be good with numbers. I, you know, I'm oh, that math. We yes. were talking about the math before. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a business at the end of the day, and if you, you know, if you can't run a business, then you can't cook. All right. So, but you so. have to negotiate a lease. Yeah, you have to be able to negotiate. You need to be able to. So, find how did you negotiate people. your first lease? Well, we, you know, we had a lawyer. We had a shark of a lawyer, and uh, how'd you find the lawyer? Um, I want to peel back this onion. That's this, where I'm going. <laughs> um, we found um, his his name is Scott Rubman, and he um, he was the lawyer for basically all a, a lot of the French chefs in town, like the yeah you know, the smaller French chefs, mm-hmm. like Jean Claude um, Jean Claude from Jean. Remember the Jean Claude yeah, Bistro? Yes, uh, right. he he worked with me at Boulay. He was a waiter at Boulay. Uh-huh. Before he opened his little empire, and uh, so th- yeah, through the industry, yeah, you you found the I lawyer, found the and lawyer. then the lawyer tutors you on what it, you know you you kind of watch what the lawyer absolutely, doing absolutely. On, on the lease. Yeah, and and so did you get a good lease? Yeah, we got a good lease. It you know it was a really long, um, you know, long process, and uh, you know I think we sat at a table negotiating for. I don't remember how many hours. It was really amazing before we actually signed this lease, but wow. we, we got it. We got it done. Okay, because this is New York City. We're not talking about playing in the farm teams. You oh, were in yeah. Greenwich Village, yeah, New York the West City, Village. very yeah, hard, big yeah. real estate yeah. play there. Okay, so what about the money? I mean, you're a female chef. I think we were talking a little bit about this before the show. I think it's really hard to raise money, whether. Male, female, elephant, lion. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter who you are right. to raise money. And then to raise money um, for New York City, you know, this is, you know, playing the big leagues here. Yeah, it costs a lot, a lot of money to open a restaurant. It, um, you know, and I, you know. Jen- Did you have a business partner? We, we did, well, I had Jen, uh, Jen, yeah. Jennifer Sism, who uh, went to your school. Yes, she's a graduate. Yes, and um, she... But did she bring the business expertise? Did she have the business expertise, or did she? She she was she was incredibly, or she is incredibly smart, and um, um, yeah, she 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 was she was she was good at a lot of lot of things, and she actually mm-hmm. used to be a, a designer. Mm-hmm. She was an interior designer, so she designed the restaurant, which saved us some money, which was mm-hmm. amazing, and she I think she did an amazing job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, you know. And so it was really the two of you who put together yes, the deal. absolutely. That's yeah. where I'm going. Yes. And that's amazing. You know, she had she done business deals or you before? No. Okay. Yeah. So there is the possibility of starting your own restaurant, getting a good shark lawyer to negotiate your lease, and oh, then, and then take common sense and open that open that door. Yeah, and then ask questions. I mean, you, you know, we, we, we had uh, David and Karen. Who helped? Oh, it, who, oh that's true. You, yeah, you had some mentors out yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so you had a, a vision. What was the first menu like at Anissa in two thousand? Wow, 
You know, it's it it was it's pretty much the same as it. I mean, it's not the same food, obviously, but um, it's it, it's exactly the same structure. We've got eight appetizers and eight entrees and six desserts or something like that. So, um, you know, it's a small restaurant, 40, 48 seats, and uh, is that a good size? Do you feel like you can have control and really express yourself? Oh, absolutely. It's you know, it, it yeah, it, it really is a, a a dream come true on some level. Um, you can. You can really control quality with us with that size. I mean, you, you you know, from where I stand in the kitchen, I can see everything going out. Um, I can pretty much get to a dish and fix a sauce before it goes out. I can you know I can taste things. It's um, yeah. It, so it give makes me it give me one or two dishes that were on that very first menu that said Anita Low. Well, I guess this is a dish that everyone goes to, but um, this was the. This is the one dish that's been on since the beginning, um, which is the foie gras soup dumplings. You know, it's a Shanghai soup dumpling. My father, um, who died when I was three, so I didn't really grow up with him, but he he was from Shanghai, and we definitely grew up with that cuisine. And it's, um, you know, it's a dumpling with broth inside, and it's traditionally made with pork and or crab, um, and it's dipped into a Chinese black vinegar, um, that usually has a julienne of uh, ginger in it, and Chinese black vinegar is is a little sweet, and it's it's a rice vinegar, but it's um, people describe it as the balsamic of Asia. So um, what I did, I, I put foie gras in mine, and, mm. but I made it um, Asian. I, I the broth is is, um, is is like a master sauce. It, it was it's like something my mother used to braise chicken in, mm-hmm. or or duck or you know mm-hmm. and it's got star anise it's it's um it's uh got a lot of depth sounds to it. Wonder- sounds yeah. wonderful so uh and that's still on the menu yes yes that sounds great yeah. i gotta go have have some it sounds very restorative too oh you yeah know, a, little, a little luxury but it sounds very yeah, homey as it's well it's soulful for soulful, me I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah so um so in 2000 now it's 2012, 12 years later. Yes. It's not been the easiest ride in the world, having a restaurant <laughs> in New York City. We went through 9-11 in this city, yes. all right? We also went through the implosion of, you know, Wall Street in 2008. Yes. How did you survive? Was it easy those years? Did, have you had ups and downs? Or, oh, know? we've certainly had ups and downs. I mean, we were, yeah, and um, after... If, you know, we cut back. I mean, I we we cut after two thousand. Yeah, after after nine eleven, we um. Yeah, we had to cut back staff. You know, I had to work the line. It was it was it was very difficult. Two thousand eight. How how, how much how yeah. much of your business? Well, first of all, your first year did it live up to expectation? Did the people come? Did you get good reviews? Was it what you thought it was? Were you so fulfilled by it? Uh, yes, absolutely. It was it was amazing. It was a great 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 feeling, and we got we got very good reviews. Um, and uh, yeah, people were coming. There was a lot of buzz around it. Um, but you know that sort of died after a couple of years. And um, what saved us was was Iron Chef on some level. So um, the very next year was two thousand one and nine eleven. Yes. And then you had a how much business did you lose over nine eleven? Oh my God! I mean, we went from doing, you know, I for. I I remember doing like sixteen covers a day for the first month after uh, 
after 9-11. You it have to understand really Greenwich Village, for people who don't live in New York, is walking distance. Well, you know, it's a long walk to the yeah, trade the center. Yeah, the smell was amazing. The smell, yeah, it was, it was horrendous for yes. months, months yeah. afterwards. So you were doing probably, what, 50 to 90 yeah. a night, and then you went to 16? Yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard. Luckily, you know, you know Jen and I were both very conservative with money, mm-hmm. and so we had... Um, you know, he had working capital. We had a, mm-hmm. we had a st- strong, you know... Balance um, sheet. Yeah. yeah, balance sheet. And so um, we, we made it through. Um, made it through. Okay, and then when did it pick up again for you? Um, yeah, really when I did um, Iron Chef. Ah. And I don't remember what year that was, but it was the first year of Iron Chef America. And, um, wow, the power of television. I mean, people started coming in again after that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you want to run out and get a show. <laughs> in order for you know to Well no, exactly. It's yeah. part of it's part of the job. But it has it, now it's promotion. part of what a chef has to do, yeah, isn't you have it? To you know, learn how to promote. And oh. it, you know, I'm that you know, I'm I'm a shy person in general and so this was something I had to learn. And I mean, you were on Top Chef and Top Chef Masters. Yes. So for a shy person, you've been doing very well. You know what? We're going to take another little break here, and we're going to come back. I think Anita has a real story to tell about another challenging year. So we'll be right back. September 9th from 5 to 8 p.m. at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, HeritageRadioNetwork.org will be hosting its first members-only fundraising party. Featuring food from Gramercy Tavern, Back 40 West, Del Posto, and more, and drinks by Dave Arnold, featuring cocktails with El Bujo Mezcal, Galliano, Absolute, Plymouth, and more. Beer from Greenpoint Harbor Brewing, and wine from Cane Vineyard and Winery. Tickets are now on sale at heritageradionetwork.eventbrite.com. Well, welcome back. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton of the International Culinary Center, and you're listening to Chef Story. And my chef today is Anita Lowe of Anissa Restaurant in Greenwich Village in New York City. And, Anita, we were just talking about your first years of opening when you opened Anissa, you know. You know and kudos to you. To have a restaurant for 12 years in New York City is no <laughs> small feat. If we go back and see how many of today's restaurants were, you know, there 12 years ago, you're one of the few. So you are a veteran restaurateur. But I think there was a year, you know, it's not easy. And, and you know, I'd love you to share with with people what, what happened in 2008 and your staying power. When things are going great, a restaurant is great. But um, I, I think you had sort of the trials of Job uh, that year. Tell me how you got through it. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you, I mean, you just you don't have a choice. Uh, you know, I think that year um, I had opened Bar Q, um, and Wall Which Street. was a great concept. It thank was, you. It thank was a great, you. and it was down in the village as well. And yeah, it was just half a block from Anissa, and we got two stars from the New York Times. Um, Out of the box on that one. Yeah, yeah. we did. We did okay, and but um, so and what happened? Then, then Wall Street fell, and we just went from doing, you know, a hundred some covers a night to almost nothing. 
and um, you know I had to close it, and that was that was a big blow. Um, How long had it been open? It had been open. I want to say a year. Yeah, maybe, something like that. Yeah, that's really tough. Um, yeah, that was really sad, and you know, especially because you have a, a staff there that you know. Um, try, I try my best to find jobs for them, but it, you know, and, and they're all fine on their own. But mm. it was it was it was heartbreaking. Um, yeah, and then and then my mother died, mm. um, and then I and then yeah, the third phone call I got in the middle of the night was that um, yeah, that the restaurant had burned down. Anissa. Anissa had burned down. Yeah. Oh, so, my oh and, and actually, Barcude had a fire, too. Um, and I don't remember what... It was in the first year. Yeah, but I guess there was only one year, but yeah. Uh, All in one year. Yeah, it so, was kind of amazing. So what, I mean, what happened? I mean, with Anissa, that your whole sort of... Your your whole life was involved in the restaurants. And did you have enough insurance to cover and recoup? Or actually, We didn't. We didn't. We had, um, we had insured that restaurant in 2000. You know, we'd opened it on a dime, and so we were thinking that um, you could replace it on yeah, a this dime. Would, yeah, this would be enough. But you know, you know, ten years later, it's not enough. You don't think of a fire because very few restaurants no. you hear of, yeah, being, yeah, fire. And um, you know, we we hadn't put any money into the um, into the kitchen because we just didn't have it, and so I was reusing all this incredibly old equipment and. I, you know, no one said anything. It, you know, and had I had had this uh, refrigerator, which was the cause of the fire, um, fixed several times, um, and you know it was old, but it it was working. And I, um, the wire shorted out and caught the mat on fire, um, and then we had just we had just emptied the fry later, so there was a big pot of oil that was probably still nearby. hot yeah. um, nearby, and. Um, it just kept on bl- blossoming, and then the the um, couplings in the back of my stoves, which were ancient, um, melted. Oh. So it became a it became a gas fire as well. Oh my god! And so it was pretty much contained to the kitchen. It came through the back wall into the, you know, into the back wall of the dining room. But um, just because of the soot and the fire and uh, and the water, uh, for the soot and the and, and the water from the. Um, fire department we had you know it was totaled we had to so you, you just had to gut it yeah we had to gut it so yeah. did you at any time think i'm finished that's it I'm oh yeah gonna move on i mean on top of it we you know my lease was ending you know it was like we had, had a half year left and so there was no way i was going to rebuild it you know without you know without a new lease um so what what made you what after a year like that after having now this is two thousand and eight you had nine eleven happen to you yes two thousand and eight in the fire what made you get back up on the horse well we thought about walking away but you know I mean Anissa you know that was that was my family you know my family of um, employees and you know I loved all those people mm-hmm. and it was my identity. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I don't know what else. You know, what else was I going to do? I, you know, I didn't have barbecue. I didn't. You know, I, and so. there is. Well, let's get, let's get into this because I think it's fascinating. You, I've seen quotes by you that this isn't a profession you choose; it's a profession that chooses you. Yeah. Well, I, I can't imagine that was my quote. I mean, other people have other said people that as have well. said, yeah. but I've seen you say <laughs> yes, it, and I've heard yeah. you say it. So, I mean, talk about that passion. Talk about how you can't do anything else. 
Well, I mean, on some level, you know, it, it fits me. I'm a, I'm a nocturnal person, um, which goes very well with having a restaurant that's only open for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm not really good at dressing up, <laughs> so I can't, I, you know, I'm not really going to go work in, a, in an office. Um, yeah. Um, Is it handling the food? It's handling. Is it the intellectual concept? It's Is it everything. The, 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 yeah. the customers that come in? Yeah, I mean, the customers are wonderful. Um, it's the concept of, 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 of culture, multiculturalism. I think that's what, what, what I'm trying to convey in my food. Um, yeah, that, that's very interesting to me to break down borders and look at ingredients cross-culturally, mm. uh, look, at, look at preparations cross-culturally. Um, you know, it's, it, it's an expression of my identity, which is multicultural. But, um, I think if you get your book, Cooking Without Borders you really see what a unique chef you are. There's no other chef that has your cuisine. Thank you. And the thing is that you're so classically trained, you know, as a a French chef, actually, where you bring that technique. But I don't think anyone else has such a... Uh, it's not just a command of those east-west ingredients, but a comfort factor with them. That well, that's you're, who you're I equally, am. Yeah, yeah, but it isn't like you were Asian and you know then adopted Western right. cuisine, or right. Western and adopted Asian cuisine, like Zach Palaccio. You know, right. Like, right? You actually grew up with both. Yes, and so I think that fluency really comes through the ease of it. It's not the novelty of the other yeah. thing. It's I think it's always been in you. Yeah, and but on some level, I had to learn Asian cuisine. You know, I, I didn't. You know, I, I was taught French cuisine. That I I know more about French cuisine than I know about any other a, any other cuisine. Um, I had to learn. You know, when I was the chef of Cannes Restaurant, I had to learn Vietnamese cuisine. I like poured through books. I you know, uh, went to the country eventually. Um, but, you know, that wasn't a cuisine that we grew up making in the house. You yeah. know? And Chinese cuisine is, you know, people have been asking me to represent Chinese cuisine all the time. But I, I, that's something I've had to learn. I don't, China is a huge country and there's so many cuisines within China. I really don't feel like I have a command of it at all mm. on some level. Um, mm. I'm familiar with it and I grew up eating it. Um, but you know, um, you know, I think people have been. Media has asked me about uh, about you know Chinese New Year, and you know, I, I did. I googled it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> to see. Well, yeah. that's a your very honest answer. Yeah. <laughs> so let me let me ask you some other things. How you know, uh, being a woman chef isn't. I, I think there are special hurdles sometimes uh, for women. It's rare you find a woman chef who really has her own restaurant, who's the owner, executive chef, and is really running it. Um, do you think? Do Do you feel that uh, there are special hurdles for women in this field? Why aren't Why don't we see more women with restaurants like yours that are are expressing their singular vision? You know, I think. Uh, there's there's so many factors in that, I, and I think you really have to look at it as a whole. Um, but I, I don't think you know. I think one of the biggest problems is with with ourselves. I mean, I don't think we we're not raised to go after our career with the kind of tenacity and singular vision that it requires 
that that is required to open your own restaurant to be the executive chef in New York City. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the biggest factors. I think we've lost a lot of women to babies. I don't, it, you know, it's happening less now. Um, well, I don't think we've lost them. They lost they, them. They, they, well, as in every profession, there has to be an accommodation and a balancing. Right. And but you know, men are not the caretakers. Yeah. You know, so if uh, you know, I if if you have a child, you know, most of the time it's the woman that's staying home to um, to take care of. The, mm-hmm. take care of the baby. And the hours aren't very conducive. No, the hours are, yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, the hours are, are, are better in other cities. I mean, we have to be open seven days a week in order to make rent. Mm-hmm. You know, in other cities, like in Chicago and San Francisco, you can be open five nights a week mm-hmm. and still be profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a little bit more difficult. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think women are, are raised to... Uh, want balance in their life mm. and this is not balance <laughs> this is not no i but i think if you're gonna play you're playing at the top level in the world you have michelin star oh, there are not many not many restaurants in the world have made that attainment and so i think there it, there has to be a lot of passion a lot of focus uh you're playing with the big boys you know the big girls <laughs> let's put it that way uh so so tell me what you know you've been on you say you're a shy person you've been on iron chef you've been on top chef masters and you've really done well on both of them you know you've aced them um you know how public do you have to be i know you're going to get involved with a um charity um share Yes, I've been involved yeah. with how for much, a while. Yeah. How, how much do you have to go out there, get out, you know, it's hard enough to run your restaurant, but now you've got to go do TV, you, you go do charities. D- tell me, why do, you do, why do you leave your restaurant where you're so, you know, overworked anyway to go and do ch- charity things? And tell us about Cher. Well, I think, you know, you know as a human being, you, 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 want, to, you want to give back. Um, Cher... Uh, is a breast and ovarian cancer support group. Um, and the people that run it are really wonderful. Um, and every year, I was the executive chef for the first two years of their uh, walk-around tasting benefit, um, which happens every September. It's happening on Monday, September 24th this year. And um, I, you can still buy tickets. And it's... Um, it's Who's cooking? Uh, it's all women chefs. It's about uh, twenty plus wi- female chefs. Um, you know, I think all the best chefs in New York and uh, all the best female chefs in New York. And same difference. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a really fun event, and it's happening. At okay, Chelsea all Pierce. of you budding women yeah. chefs out there, you've got to go and invest in a ticket because to see these twenty. Five women, 24 women cooking, go up and talk to them. It will be a night of inspiration. So I, I was pushing Anita to talk about this because I think it's a unique opportunity to see the best and the brightest. Uh, yeah, it's wonderful. Working, working out there and taste and, and taste their signature uh, dishes. So let me, let me ask you to do a little mentoring on the show here. Um, okay. What do you say, not just to women chefs, what do you say to a young budding chef? What does it take to be a Michelin star chef? Um, you you have to focus on the food. It has to be about the food. It has to be about you know being consistent. And consistency means um, you know staying in a restaurant for at least a year. You know before you move on. 
um, you know, really learning that cuisine. Uh, How many restaurants do you have to journey through to really get your? Well, I mean, I only went the two, so <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I, I would never, you know, I, I would never uh, suggest doing what I did to anyone young. Um, yeah, don't try this at home. But it. Uh, what do you mean, only going in two and then becoming a chef? Yeah, I mean, I was never a sous chef. I, I worked. I, I was in. Uh, what, what, what were the pitfalls of not being a sous chef and jumping into? maybe early, not maybe too early in your party because you were successful, but you, you took on the chefdom and what, what were the real challenges for you there? Well, managing people when you don't really know what you're doing. I mean, you, to be the leader, you really should know what you're doing. You should, you know. Um, <laughs> it's always a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it was, you know, it was a really steep learning curve, which was great for me. I loved that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but... Yeah, the, the was the, it the management piece? I mean, because you know how to cook. Yeah, management's always challenging. I think you know. I think I've been good at it, but it's. Um, what about the food cost and portioning? Yeah, food cost. Well, that was great. I think I, I learned that from Wiley, uh, uh, who was the. Um, you know, I, I got my job through, uh, through him. He was the general manager at Boulay. And he was consulting at Cannes Restaurant, so and he guided me through food costing and 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 uh, creating a balanced menu. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was that was a great learning experience. I'm mm-hmm. very lucky. Mm-hmm. So. Well, good. Do you have any last words of wisdom? Because we're winding down now. <laughs> it's, if 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 I said to you, what's one word that you'd like people to think about when they think of Anissa? What would it be? Hopefully just delicious. <laughs> I can't agree more. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this today with thank us. Thank you. And uh, I want to thank Anita, and I want to thank our producer, Jack Inslee, and our assistant producers, Heidi Tickle and Joe Sevier. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.